we actually saw each other in person today and it was friggin' glorious. <laughs> now that we're on week 10 or maybe 11 of self-isolation, we specifically wanna hone in on our learned behaviors during this time. Sex in the pandemic. So I think it's really interesting to listen to all of our different experiences for this Halloween. I think we're all feeling it. We have so much appreciation for each other and our family. And I think that there's been a lot of that beauty in, you know, really seeing what's important. How we're losing movement and stretching capacity as we are in self-isolation right now. People are getting hunkered down for winter and they're really over it and seriously dreaming about traveling. Through the mess of the last year, the stress and uncertainty, the change to our normal routines has undoubtedly impacted our relationship with food. Am I lonely? Am I depressed? How do I see clearly between the two? Are they the same? Are they overlapping? Like, I think that, that could be confusing as well. Do you guys know I'm making a lot of mistakes ever since COVID has started, eh? like in my language and speech? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Everybody take care. We know it's a bit of a crazy uh, week this week, so... We are thinking of you all, and we hope you are doing well. Welcome to the After 30 Podcast. If you're new here, thanks for being here. We're so happy to have you. This is a show where we chat about the things you're thinking about going through and experiencing as you get older. And we hope along the way, we bring a bit of lightness, new perspectives, and make you feel understood because we feel you. Today, we're checking in on you. We're coming up on a year of this pandemic and it probably feels really hard right now. None of us, even Anthony Fauci, probably thought this was going to disrupt our lives for this long. Yet here we are on the break of another possible wave while vaccines try to get administered faster than new variants spread. We're in a race to normalcy and in the Northern Hemisphere anyway, we're in the dead of winter with even less ability to pull in the things that give us joy and self-care. So today we're going to try and help. We'll share some of the roses that we've discovered this year. Anise pulls from her psychotherapy work and explains why what you're feeling could be considered trauma. And we'll take a brief moment to indulge ourselves on what we look forward to most. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a freaking year. <laughs> I say we're coming up on a year, but actually when we were looking into it, we have surpassed a year because technically the first case, the first coronavirus case in Canada was actually on January 25th, 2020. And uh, the first confirmed case, and it was a patient who came to Toronto's Sunnybrook Hospital after returning from Wuhan. So we have surpassed that year, but I think a lot of us are more thinking that we're coming up on the year because it was really around March 17th, 2020, that we all went into that first lockdown. Right. So, oh my gosh, do you remember? Yeah. What do you, what do you think when we kind of like reflect on what this year has been and are you feeling, are you feeling like this is really hard right now? Are you feeling the weight of it? I'm really feeling it right now. I'm feeling the weight of it. I'm just feeling like time is just like passing by and it kind of, it's all like in merging into one kind of thing. And I'm just curious of what does the future hold, you know? And like in that question, I'm getting annoyed, like I'm getting frustrated. <laughs> right. 
you know? I hear you. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we ever knew in the beginning, but it, I feel like it's a little just, yeah, feels a little dull. What about you? Yeah, I, I feel you. I think I'm starting to get fatigued. I, I'm sure I've gone through peaks and valleys of it so far, but I think that I am definitely, uh, I'm, I'm over it as I know that we set up one stage <laughs> in that <laughs> mashup, but I'm getting over it. Yeah. I, that said though, um, I like to remind myself, like, I think this is so defining for our generation, you know, and mm-hmm. I personally, this entire time, and I still really like to remind myself of it, that I get quite comforted by the thought that this is our generation's version of our great war. I've heard that term being mm-hmm. used, and I really quite resonate with it that, and and like how lucky we are that that's what our reality is you know like I think about our grandparents that were called to war and we're being called to our couch you know like and it's not in any way to minimize um the the trauma that we have gone through and I'm really excited to hear your perspective and your academic experience in that too but and yeah so not to minimize the difficulty of this year, not to minimize the difficulty in our mental health in particular. We know that's been really hard. And of course, if anybody has been directly impacted by that's the right. pandemic, but I also just feel like that thought that our grandparents were called to war and were called to our couch, it just, right. it really gives me comfort that like, this is not so bad, you know? And mm-hmm. also this is not so bad that we live in a time where we are able to connect over Zoom, over every, you know, with everyone across the world. So those things always make me feel better. And I think that even right now for myself personally, as I'm starting to feel very over it and I'm ready to just like walk away from this pandemic, I I am always trying to remind myself of that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it is very defining of our generation. I think it'll be something that people will get tired of listening to as we say, oh yeah, remember when, remember when, right. remember when. I definitely think it's the same thing that we'll, we've experienced with our uh, sort of elders. It's generation defining because it will teach, it teaches us, it will teach us how to be more resilient. And it is, I think if we try to take the positives out of it, that's, I think, one of the things is that there will be stories to tell and we'll heal together with it. And of course, keeping in mind just how much loss we've experienced at the same mm-hmm. time. For right? sure. So it's like they're both they're both real. And yeah, I think, true. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of the roses of the year. Yeah. Uh, in our family, we always say what was the rose of your day or what was the thorn of your day. Nice. So um, <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah. So tell me what comes to your mind when you think about some of the roses of the year for you. Well, I think that I personally became very connected to my body and I'm so, and what I think is that I have always been working on my body and thinking about my body. Like I'm very, I'm very integrated that way. And I'm, I'm proud of that. That's one of the things that I'm proud of about myself. So this past year has like really just accelerated that and it accelerated it in an interesting way because it's almost like we've had to do it together. So everybody is thinking about their bodies right now. Before I always thought that I was like somebody kind of like an anomaly person, always thinking about their body. But now I know that everybody's kind of like, what are we eating? How are we working out? How am I taking care of myself? So I feel like I'm in the community about the body awareness. Cool. That's That's cool. a rose. That's Good a rose for you. For me, for sure. That's beautiful. What about you? I love you. that. <laughs> yeah, I think I have a couple. One small one that I'll give having some kind of movement and fitness and activity has always been really important Mm. in my life. But before this pandemic, and I live in little Italy in Toronto, I have never gone for a run outside from my front door. 
and how silly, honestly, like now in retrospect, how silly I would go to my gym down the street and I would always be a treadmill runner because I just find that easier. But since this pandemic, I've gotten my butt just outside and running the pavement. And it's great because I am not too far from the water and it actually is the most beautiful run if I actually like when I do it. So that's been a total rose. And honestly, had this pandemic not happened. I don't know what kind of motivation I really would have had to do that. I like, I really needed such a disruption to be like, this is my only option. I got to run outside. Exactly. Yeah. How it's good. It's like, it's like a positive, a positive pivot to your fitness and lifestyle. And I think that's great. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Any other roses? mm, You know, I worked more so I can say I was more focused. Sure. I just worked more. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's, like, it's uh, half a rose. It's a rose and a thorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I know. I, I think for me, a rose on the work side is I've was, I had more business opportunities come to me in this pandemic, which I usually keep that quite close to my chest because I know that that is not, of course, a situation for everybody, but it's been a bit of a rose for me because all of a sudden with everyone shifting to the digital space, everyone had just a greater level of respect and understanding for what I do, which is Mm -hmm. so much about creating a brand on all possible ways you could interact with it. So that includes Mm -hmm. the digital space. And it's interesting because before the pandemic, it was I often had conversations with clients or potential clients trying to convince them of the importance of having an authentic voice online and that you can do that. And so I have not had to have those kind of same convincing conversations in this pandemic because everybody understands the uh, power of it when that's all that we have. So yeah, that's kind cool. of been a rose. It's like less work for me. You know what I mean? In that yeah, way. No, cool. <laughs> I was also thinking about the concept of startup. So we're in the middle of, you know, starting some things up. And I think that the pandemic has really just made us focus on the startup. So if anybody was yeah. in a startup environment, I'm sure they were able to put more into it, put more into it, double yeah. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so too. Um, okay. My last uh, rose, cause I can't possibly carry on without saying this. It's absolutely been, I'm so <laughs> grateful for the time that I've had with my cute little family. And mm-hmm. I, I'm so grateful that I've gone through this crazy time with a little two-year-old because he's such Mm -hmm. a light. And even if times are really stressful or we've had really long days or it's just, and and also a lot of that was self-imposed because we kept all of our home almost this whole time from daycare. He's actually only recently returned, but it absolutely is a rose because there's just no way I would have had the same amount of hours and quality time with my family if we hadn't been in this pandemic. So that's my, that's my yeah. Mm-hmm. And I resonate with that. Like yeah. nothing interesting to add there, except I feel exactly the same. <laughs> I think that's interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, yeah, she said what needed to be said. Like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. It's been great. It's been great with the family for sure. I think eating together, cooking together, uh, just really just spending some juicy time together, disagreeing together as always. And um, I think it's just taught us how to be together more, mm-hmm. be more mm-hmm. open to each other, get more space, have more tolerance for each other. Because at the end of the day, like when everything is stripped away, like the person standing in front of me is my husband and mm-hmm. like, what the fuck else? And my sister, you know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. Yeah. And so 
I think it's just the strip down has really taught us like how to be with each other in all of our ugliness and in all of our beauty as well. Aww. You know? Love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I want to switch gears. Switch it up. I'm going to interview you a little bit here. So oh, you're yeah, wrapping up the end of your master's in psychotherapy. And I think we need to That's tap right. into some of that gold. So you have <laughs> often said to me that what we're experiencing is a trauma. And I would love mm-hmm. for you to explain a little bit more about what you mean by that. Okay. So when we think about trauma, and I really wanted to think first, hunker down and just think about what is the definition of trauma, right? Like, how do we define trauma? Yeah. One of the definitions that really resonated with me is that it is a response to a deeply distressing or disturbing event that overwhelms an individual's ability to cope, causes feelings of helplessness, diminishes their sense of self and their ability to feel a full range of emotions and experiences. And I really think that when we think about the pandemic, it relates like basically to each and every single thing that I've said, Mm. right? So the way that I was looking at it is that there's two pieces. There's the collective piece and then there's the individual piece. So when we think about the collective piece, I think about like how we are connected, so connected to the news, so plugged into the web. And like, we know what's happening, like with everybody immediately, we see photographs, we see um, people's experiences in the hospitals, we see funeral homes, we see all of these things. And I think there is a, a global collective experience of this virus of trauma, because we see so many unfortunate experiences Mm -hmm. in our periphery. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I also think we had this idea that, okay, I'm just gonna, we'll just hunker down for three weeks and be in self-isolation. The virus is going to be over. Mm -hmm. So I think like there was this expectation of what the virus would look like and what the virus actually turned out to look like. And so like our perception and our sort of shifted expectation and reality of it. I think that experience itself is traumatic because you have an idea and you're like, okay, we're going to be out and about. And then we can't be out and about. Mm -hmm. And so we're collectively experiencing that. And so there's like this shift in how the F do I handle this idea of prolonged change? And it's continued. It continues to change. So we've, there was a point at which, and I don't know when that magic time is, but there's a point at which, we all stopped getting excited about when it could be over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because they're what yeah. you're right. There's a time at which emotionally and mentally we disconnected from those expectations because we knew that was now harmful. That silence is a trauma response. In my opinion, right. it's like when I don't have the words and I don't know what to say, I'm just like, okay, fine. I'll just deal with it. Right. Another thing that I was thinking about was, you know, like, of course, look, celebrations, funerals, religious gatherings, going to church, going to mosque, going to the synagogue, going to the temple, all those things were truncated and had to pivot like into an online platform. So we're no longer sort of like sitting next to each other, holding, shaking hands with each other, you know, wishing peace upon each other. And like, if I think about, for example, my specific context last year, Ramadan, it was a month of like Ramadan is like a month of fasting, but it's a month of togetherness and eating together, but it was in isolation. So we literally moved my mom into my house so we could do Ramadan together. But typically we visit each other and we're always talking to each other. We go to other people's houses for dinner. So like that is a, is a traumatic experience for somebody who is so used to like their entire lifetime celebrating something in a specific way and they can't kind of like we looked at Thanksgiving and Christmas and everybody at this stage has experienced a birthday so yeah and how about that like how about that like Mm -hmm. just just that pivot was and 
you know, shift was, I think. That in itself you deem traumatic. When we think about all of the different ways in which we gathered, I think like when that was just cut, mm-hmm. that yeah. is that slice is is hard to kind of digest, for I sure. think, in my opinion. For sure. You know? And, it, and we know this, it's not natural for any of us to be doing any of these things in isolation. It's not natural to be parenting in isolation. It's not natural to be teaching in isolation. It's not natural totally. to be, you know, yes. like you said, worshiping in isolation and all of these things. Like we are as human beings, community people. And we know that, you know, like some of the uh, longest living areas that like one island in Greece where people are the oldest mm-hmm. on the planet mm-hmm. and it's because of their reliance and constant activity in community engagement. Totally. So we know that as human beings this is integral for our health and our happiness. So I completely yeah, like that alone you're right. That is traumatic right? that we don't have that. You're right. Let's yeah. like we know that. That's yeah. that's it. And so there's this other piece that I was thinking about, which is recreating our identity, right? Recreating our collective identity. So as like a global population, we have to sort of reform who we are as a person, as a huge person and as an individual person. And I think growth, growth is traumatic for me. I think growth is a traumatic experience. And so either we choose to grow individually or our backs are up against the wall and we have to change and we have to pivot and we have to grow and we have to learn. And when we're asked to do that, for me, I think like how much we learn through the process, that change, that movement, I think that is a traumatic experience. I think that is something that is for me sometimes not necessary. And (laughs) ideally I, I understand that change is good and stuff. But if you're comfortable with not changing, that's okay too. So some of us have been forced to change and it's literally, I feel, and I feel that word force is like, I didn't consent to this. So there's kind of like, there's just that piece that I think there is a traumatic moment. So like overall, I think it's easy for us to think about things like in a broad stroke kind of way, but like, let's take a second second and think about every single person on earth and how much everyone was affected by this. And just that thought itself is so hard to understand, right? Right. So, and then consider all of the people on the margins. Like, what if you are unable to walk? What if you can't see? What if you can't hear? I think collectively it has been a traumatic experience. Right, right. Right? I mean, there's also the, the notion of grief, like all of the things we've lost together, all of the things we won't be able to do together. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like just that kind of piece, there's like a collective grief. So, I think that collective grief contributes to the trauma. So mm-hmm. we can talk about now the individual piece and the individual piece is that the pivots have been discombobulating. And so like all of these pivots that we've had to do, that you've had to do as a mom, as the primary caregiver, you know, like in your family layered on top of what is already going on in your life, because life has was already a challenge for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic came. So like that discombobulation if we think about the iceberg metaphor where like only the peak is visible and all of what is underneath is like that big big stuff like the pandemic just shoved itself in there and added to this invisible layer of how we had to pivot how we had to change Mm -hmm. and then don't let's not forget about the loss of our loved ones or witnessing the news people dying Mm -hmm. having front how about frontline workers in your family Mm -hmm. you know and the general fear of exposure yeah you know because like, you're like going out there and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should, you know, sanitize after I touch the pin pad. There's just all of those fears. And I think those fears contribute to a response to the virus. And I think that's tra- it's traumatic for all of us. Right. So right. 
overall, I think that we are facing new identities and facing that new identity has is going to be a challenge. And that's okay. Those are, we take them on and we grow and we change. That's okay. It's just a part of the process. But I've really come to believe that articulation is a thing. And so what is happening, what has happened, and when we are experiencing trauma, we can't articulate what is really going on. And I feel that when we are unable to articulate what is happening in the moment, I feel that that is a kind of trauma. I feel it is traumatic. I do. Interesting. So, okay. Wow. Yeah. Hey, let's switch gears a little bit and let's, let's indulge a bit on what we're actually looking forward to, because I have to say myself, I have not really let myself go there too often to be thinking about what I'm excited about. Cause like we said, what's the point? So what's one yeah. thing oh, you're, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're looking forward to? Okay. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. And it's related to like, okay, now there's trauma. Now what do we do? Mm-hmm. Right. So like, <laughs> So I'm really appreciating your idea on like, how do we sort of like think about indulging forward? Yeah, And I love this idea. So I know that I can't wait to meet people. I just can't wait to meet people. Totally. You know, like when you travel and you're like, you, you new people, you with someone, new people. Yeah. To, yeah. New people for sure. You know, like for example, or you're at a bar and the bartender and you exchange stories and you, I don't know, like it's, it's those those unpredictable pieces of meeting people, right? You know, like, or like, how about like when you and I had dinner with Crystal, the first time we met, it's like in a script, it's called a meet cute. I want more meet cutes. Right, right, right. Cute. You know what I mean? Like, I want, like, I mean, I know it's like for like when you're attracted to someone, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm looking forward to that. And also I want to create more memories. I'm looking forward. I noticed that some of the time, when I have been in conversation with family and friends, it's always been like, do you remember when we did this? Do you remember when we did that? So there's like a lot of storytelling and that's like Mm -hmm. a vital force in how we are. So I cannot wait to tell the story of this pandemic, which is a form of therapy, like talking about this. Do you remember when we were doing this? And I can't wait to look to make more stories, make more memories. Cool. What about you? Yeah, I think mine, I can't wait to, I can't wait to host uh, parties again. I think that's the thing we have always done. And I didn't appreciate the extent at which not only I love to do it myself, but uh, just, I just cannot wait for the opportunity to look up across the room and see all of these wonderful people inside. Heaven forbid they're inside. It'd be so inside. weird to have people in my house again. That's what oh I can't my God, wait. For, I can't for wait. Sure. Tabs throws most incredible parties. Like I cannot fucking wait to come to your house. <laughs> okay. So, They're going to be okay. so good. We're absolutely going to do like a pandemic is over party <laughs> for sure. And so on that note, one thing we absolutely have to tell you guys is that uh, you may have noticed already if you are following us on social or anything like that, but we have recently created these really beautiful postcards And there's a set of five of them and we're calling them quarantine love pack and you get five different postcards and they all have uh, very cute little witty comments about how you might be just so excited to see those loved ones. So check them out. They're so cute. They've got little gold foil on them and the back of them are blank. So you can leave your notes. And it it came from this idea that Anissa and I had that what would we love to do? Mm -hmm. What would we love to send to each other? Because we are so missing each other. And how cute would it be for 
a cute little love note to show up and your door. They're so beautiful. Uh, so we created those and we want you guys to check them out. Yeah. They're so, so beautiful. And as you all know, Tabitha is like a fucking visual doctor. Okay. Oh She's God. like, yeah. So I really have to celebrate her in this because there's something that Thanks, she understands girl. about <laughs> about images that I certainly don't. And so I think that there is something very beautiful about that because you'll get to experience um, her creations when you buy them. Yeah. <laughs> Aww, thanks. Yeah, they're pretty cute. We hope that you're feeling okay and that it's all right if this feels particularly heavy as you're coming up on that one year anniversary because none of us thought we would be here. Um, but as Anissa said, we are all in this together and there's some beauty in that. And there's a lot of beauty that we can try and sit for and find. And we have to have patience for each other, for ourselves, and that you know, we're, we're going to come out of this and this is general, this is defining for our generation and, um, we can see the light, but it's been a year. What a year. Can't wait to put this in the history books. See ya. That's never. Right. See you never pandemic. <laughs> see you never pandemic. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. See you next week, everybody. Thanks everybody. Thanks <laughs> everybody.